Podcast. My name is PG Bell. Well, Doctor Who is back on our screens, and to mark the occasion, we've got something a little bit different for you today. Edited highlights of Stephen Moffat. Karen Gillan and Arthur Darville in conversation at the recent Let's Kill Hitler press screening at the British Film Institute Southbank in London. Our very own Caleb Woodbridge got the chance to put a question to Moffat himself. So, without further ado, let's see how they got on. Well, first, just thank you, and I think my head is still kind of reeling and whirling from that. Stephen, when you construct a narrative like this, how is it done? Some writers use post-it notes, don't they, to keep their, their plot in order. You must require something a little more complicated, four-dimensional. <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, I just keep it in my head. That's a really boring answer, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's not that complicated if you know how it ends. Which <laughs> 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 I appreciate I am the only one who does. Well, at what point did you know? When you sat down, for instance, to write the episodes that introduced River Song, what now seems like all those years ago, did you know what fate had in store for her? No, at that point I was just thinking it was, it was kind of a one-off character, and she could be, she could have been uh, involved in some way or another, who knows, uh, with the 58th Doctor. But Alex was so good, and it just seemed uh, such a fun thing to do to bring her back. By the time I was thinking of uh, Amy Pond, I thought that was pretty bloody obvious, actually. Um, uh, I was thinking, yes, that one of the, 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 the reveal could probably be that she was the daughter. Well, I mean, obviously, I needed to have a get-out, so, you know, Karen might have left. You know, so, uh, but I, uh, yeah, from, from a fairly early point, yeah. But you have to deal with so many kind of, um, as you say, you don't know quite who you might have in your story at, at, at what point. And because, you know, clearly there's something in this episode that's been inspired by... The numbskulls. <laughs> <laughs> the numbskulls versus Hitler. Eh? Yeah. That's uh, was going to happen at some point. Well, this shows something about, about the, the, the possibilities of this program, doesn't it? But I, I'm trying to imagine you know, who the numbskulls are inside your head. Matthew, there aren't really numbskulls. That's just a comic. But are there two... Are there two kind of ways that that, uh, that you find yourself pulled? Because presumably you're always interested in the production of these jaw-dropping moments. But there's another side of you that has to kind of find the logical pattern into which all of these things Damn. fit. Um, yeah. There must be well, two of you, this is what I'm saying. Well, no, I think, I think it's, it's a result of the logical pattern. I mean, uh, the great thing about writing the, uh, the River Song story uh, is it's inevitably, it looks much cleverer than it is in a way, because it's backwards. From her point of view, of course, it isn't. But, you know, it's, you are telling that story, you are revealing it stage by stage backwards. Uh, so, uh, like all magic tricks, it looks cleverer than it is. Oh, that's a good one for the critic, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Sadly, the same could not be said for Stephen Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> so what does this say about the power 
of the right of the power. Corruption, I would say. Sure. <laughs> Ego-driven nonsense. What sort of feeling does it give you to know that all of these people are absolutely in the dark and you're the one? Okay, but there is a, there is a kind of serious side to it, honest, uh, is that, um, is that if you give away all the surprises, if you tell people what's coming up in a script, uh, their ability to respond to that script is absolutely diminished. They should experience, particularly the director, particularly the actors, they should read the script as the audience, they only have one shot of doing it, to read the script as the audience will experience it, so they can reproduce that feeling. If you tell them everything in advance, then you, then you rob that from them. But, I mean, you describe this as a, as a form of trickery, and there is a sort of narrative acrobatics to this that seems, it feels like something quite new in television. I mean, you don't really get this sort of plot structure elsewhere, do you? Well, you get in movies sometimes, uh, you know. It's but not in that kind of... Th but yes, well, it's quite uh, rare, though, isn't it? This sort of... The speed and the, and the density and the... the um, and, and agility. And, yeah, and, and keep up, for God's sake. Yes, um, good. I mean, I think, I think assuming an intelligent audience uh, is a good idea, and clearly, got my ratings, it's a, a successful idea. I can't see the flaw in the plan, you know. I can't see what's wrong about assuming intelligence in the part of the uh, audience and what's bad news about being rewarded for assuming that. <laughs> they are clever. They will get it. My, my nine-year-old got all of this ages ago, at the end of the day of the moon. Because for a kid, it's so obvious. Because they're just thinking, well, a mysterious woman, mysterious girl, mysterious pregnancy. Duh. <laughs> and yet, underneath all this, I guess, is, in a way, quite a, quite a, a simple, I use the word advisedly anyway, a chamber drama of some sort, isn't it? Mm. This is a story about people running in and out of rooms, discovering things. Mm. You know, is there something of the farce about it, almost? Something of a farce about it. It's, it feels, I mean, it's about people, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. about relationships. And, about and we art. try to keep it like that, even if you are just running through corridors. Because I think it's always more interesting to watch. Is there something going on between the people? Mm -hmm. And what kind of things are going on between these people? Because, you know, obviously, in, in, the, in this, this last season, Doctor has touched upon areas that it might not necessarily quite have touched upon in the past. To, to, to construct a plot around, around a paternity <coughs> question is something that the series has never quite dared to do before. I know that you know, my daughter has been pretending to be pregnant for the last, <laughs> for the last six months, she said. Pretending. <laughs> <laughs> But what's the point in telling a story where you just tell the same stories again? I mean, that was, it, it was, um, I suppose the, the paternity question was, again, dead obvious to children. Of course it's worries. Uh, but it's only adults in their, in their weird and paranoid way who ever thought the doctor would even have been able to find how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and would you agree with that analysis? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. It's, the interesting thing is that kids don't overthink it. Whereas adults, we tend to. We'll try and read things into it. Yeah, look too much into it. What do you make of the way that, that all of these plots are kind of interpreted and analysed? Um, well, it's nice, but I don't know. I, I, we're not that aware of it. Unless you go online, which I don't do anymore, uh, you don't really know. Uh, I mean, I'm sure uh, there's a lot of analysis and general anger. <laughs> 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 so I've got it. 
Uh, I used to go online when, when Russell was running it and see what he said about him. Uh, so I thought, it's my turn. I'm just not going on. <laughs> <laughs> and you stuck to that. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm clean and sober for two, two, two and a half years. <laughs> no, I'm clean and sober. I never used the word sober about myself. <laughs> no one ever has. And what about Hitler? We need to talk about, let's talk about Hitler. Let's talk about Hitler. <laughs> I would imagine that, you know, quite a lot of kids watching this may not quite know who this man no, was. You don't think that, I mean, well, as you were writing it, did you, did you kind of consider that question? That after this program, quite a lot of children might have been asking their parents, yeah. who was Hitler? Um, I'm not sure, because my two boys absolutely knew who he was. I think so it's quite an iconic name, to be honest, in a very, very evil and ghastly way. So I, I don't think so. That'd be interesting. Uh, they might. Um, I don't know. So my kids knew it. My, um, I think, I think my, my, my younger son said, won't Hitler be offended? I said, <laughs> 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 so I don't know if it out, I thought. I mean, the repressive example has been treated in almost a comic way. Yes, in, uh, in Indiana Jones, uh, uh, there's a brilliant gag where uh, um, uh, Indiana Jones accidentally gets Hitler's autograph. Um, I, th- I think if you really want to piss off Hitler, now that he's dead, it's a bit safer. I don't want to piss off Hitler. I don't make him into an icon of evil. Take the, take the mickey out of him. Make him a joke. Have him punched by Rory and told, shut up, Hitler. <laughs> Imagine how cross Adolf would be. <laughs> absolutely living. Well, strangely, what it's like is, is a wartime depiction mm. of him when he was a monastery yeah, character. Absolutely. And you hit him, Arthur. Yeah. Mm. How was that? Well, it was one of those moments when you open the screens and just go, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good day at work. I enjoyed that. I remember So, we're kind of still reeling a bit from this story, but where, where are we going to travel in the next few weeks? Oh, you raised an eyebrow. It's not the right side. And <laughs> uh, where are we going to go? Without giving too much away. Mm. Yeah, without giving too much away. Um, episode ten is quite an interesting one, and Amy and Rory's relationship yeah. is explored in great depth. Yeah. Um, and where else are we going? Episode eleven, uh, we have a scary thing called the Minotaur. Let's set a creepy hotel. Yeah. Kind of like the shining or something. Yeah, a really submissive mole. Yeah. 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 Um, I've never met a dominating mole. Yeah. No. <laughs> we skipped past uh, Tower Block, uh, the week. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Danny May. Really creepy. Brilliant. And without giving anything, where do these characters go? What happens to Rory? Well, obviously they're affected very much by you know what's just what's just happened. I think, yeah. You know their relationship becoming more and more entwined. I can't. I don't know what to say without giving things away. Know, yeah. God, this is hard. You need strategy for them. They're all basically oh. going to Lake Silencio. I mean, we are going back to the vehicle. We're going back to the impossible. That's what the doctor's going. He's going. He's going to know that he has to turn out there and die. I saw a Dalek in that clip. Did I also hallucinate your statement that the Daleks would not be coming back to see us? Yeah, I know. It's almost like I lie sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you do it? What, lie? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, I lie repeatedly and continually. I find it by far the easiest way to communicate. <laughs> it gives you more control if you just make stuff up. How useful, how useful is not telling the truth? That's it's fantastic. It's utterly brilliant. It's <laughs> a real encumbrance and it never changes. It's always the same. Imagine if dramatists had to tell the truth. It would be terrible, wouldn't it? 
Now, Allah, of course, Allah. Well, I, mean, I mean, we're trying to keep surprises. We're trying to trick people. We're trying to well, trick them, you know, in a nice way. In, in, in order to, and I, I, by the way, just to, to emphasize again, um, I'm going to say to any members of the press here, I loved, I loved you all so much last time for, for not giving away the big secrets. Could you do it again for us? Don't tell them. You know, you all loved it. I heard you react to that. So don't, don't give that away. It's, uh, it spoils the whole thing. Thanks. Suggest that you are deliberately deceitful. It was sort of implied that maybe a new companion was turning up. People would be completely off the scent. And <laughs> 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 I think that heartfelt plea may be our cue to to throw questions open to the audience. So if you have one, stick your hand up, and I think a roving mic will come to you. Uh, yes. Yes. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, Stephen. You um, you don't seem to have any problems dealing with perhaps the darker issues that children and adults might face. I'm thinking particularly uh, last series you had uh, Van Gogh and you you know you looked at mental illness and Hitler is not a light subject and I was just wondering do you ever (laughs) do you ever worry about the reaction you're going to get from the press and the audience in general about that? Do I ever worry? Well uh, apart from all the time about everything. Um, the main thing is get a reaction, really. Uh, the the, the television show isn't getting a reaction. It really is uh, on the slide. You've got to get a reaction. You've got to be provocative and stimulating. So I don't. I mean, uh, the uh, Richard Curtis's uh, wonderful uh, Vincent and the Doctor, I got a hugely positive response. It was a challenging subject. It was a difficult subject. One uh, that Richard very much wanted to write about. And I, can't, I mean, I, the, the first time he pitched it to me, he said, uh, it's, um, I, I want to do... I want to do manic depression and Vincent van Gogh, and I say, Richard, you do know this is six o'clock on a Saturday. Um, but uh, he, uh, he was handled beautifully and, uh, and gave it so much more depth and, uh, and sincerity because he was something passionate about it. It was, it was bigger and better. As a result, I think you've got to be challenging and difficult and on the edge all the time. And as someone with bipolar disorder, which is manic depression, <laughs> thank you for, you know, portraying it so well. Oh, well, thank thanks you. to Richard, really. Thank you so much. I'll pass that on. Thank you. Uh, yes, there was one at the back of it. Did he come to you? Oh. Yes, you've got it. Uh, it's for Karen Gillen. Um, Matt, Matt Smith gets to dress up a lot, and he's had the fairs. We've just seen him in that great 1930s suit. Yeah. Um, will we get to see you in any more outrageous outfits this series? Do you know, in episode... Sorry, my throat. Oh, do excuse me. So, in episode 10, um, I wear this kind of really weird outfit that um, is constructed of different things. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's pretty unique, um, but I can't really say anything about it. Do you? Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think there's a bit of a football in it or something, yeah. which is a bit weird. Um, Are you constructing a picture of this at all? <laughs> it's very detailed. <laughs> Trained artists are now uh, realizing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I can't really tell you. Oh, hello there. Um, I'm a film and television student, or I, I was. I've just left, and I'm aiming to be a writer. And one of my favourite things over the past few years that Russell did is he released um, The Writer's Tale with him and Benjamin Cook. Um, just going back and forth between emails about their writing process and about how he did all the designs. Stephen, have you got any plans to do something like that? Because there's nice that you to know about how they film it, 
to hear about how they're actually doing the writing process and how they're actually thinking about these ideas and plotting out an entire year-long, even two years-long story is so insightful just to sit and read day after day. So if you have any plans to release something like that? No. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, trouble is, it's, uh, I lie, but uh, no, the trouble is, you'd have the same book. The same book by a slightly more reticent and grumpy man. <laughs> a long question from Ben Cook and me saying, I'm busy. <laughs> so uh, I think, I mean, to be honest, that, that, that book, I think it's a, uh, an outstanding book about writing. I think it's brilliant. I, I recommend it to anyone. I don't know that I'll get anything to add. That is the life I'm, I'm reading. Reading? Leading. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, it's as hellish as depicted there. It doesn't change. So, uh, no, it would be, it would just be the same book with a shorter man. It would look like a budget cut. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. So, yes, one just behind us. Did you pass the mic back? Or, yeah. right, a couple of questions for Arthur. Um, you mentioned a few moments ago about the uh, relationship between Amy and Rory being explored in a later episode. Yes. Perhaps you could just uh, try and sum up for us the way you see the relationship between the two characters. And on a lighter note, um, do you find there are lots of people who are deadly jealous and envious of the fact you spend so much of your working life in the company of Karen Gillan? No, I wouldn't. She's lovely. <laughs> The relationship, well, it's kind of funny, isn't it? It was really good to see the beginnings of their relationship. Um, I think, uh, you know, yeah, that, that, that was quite funny, seeing when they were kids and stuff. And it's quite funny because we talked about what their relationship was yeah. and had been, and that was kind of quite accurate to what we kind of thought as well. You know, I mean, it was quite fairly similar when we were growing up. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's their relationship like now? Um, well, their parents. Their parents. Um, so that changes things. Um, I think, I, do you know, I just what I love about it is that we're getting to see the full picture of it. Yeah. You know how it started, and then we're seeing them have a kid. We see them get married, have a kid. Yeah. It's kind of like nice rather than a snippet. Yeah. One down at the front, right in the corner. And the first thing I want to say is thank you, especially to you, Stephen. You're a genius. Um, <laughs> um, secondly, I love to see the dark doctor, the dark side of the doctor. And we've seen snippets of how Matt play that. Is there more of that to come? Is there more of a dark doctor in this? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, you will see, uh, but dark side still, but... General, I'm not going to tell you what they are. In that Damn. annoying way I did. Um, I think he worries more about his dark side than he actually has one. You know, he's, uh, he's the kind of dark side that wears a, a, a bow tie and really, really takes to affairs. I think there's a limit to how really evil you can be if you're giving that much of a good food. But, you know, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's lovely. He's just sort of larking around in that darkness and suddenly he, decided, he discovers he's a myth everywhere and that's really alarming. When all you would thought you were doing was playing truant, I mean, it, it, it goes up and down. You can, you can. I mean, I think probably he's uh, overall he comes off slightly comic because in a way he seems to go on unscathed, you know. Uh, and that is the sort of fundamental comic thing is you just you just pop up again next week and do it all again. Um, but I think one of the glories of Doctor Who is that it is a it is a very funny show, and in that we've got an extremely funny Doctor. Uh, and, you know, uh, when we were first talking about the new Doctor with, with Matt, one of the things we were very concerned about was to make sure he was funny. It's very hard to resist funny. 
You know, it's really, really hard to resist somebody uh, who makes you laugh. And does he make you laugh when he's not reading your words? But Matt? No, never. It's only funny or interesting. No, no, Matt is uh, Matt is a joy, I have to say. He really is genuine of the nicest people in it. And yes, he's absolutely entertaining. And he does have the thing that he is... There are elements of his Doctor that are him. Uh, you know, the fact that the Doctor does think he's the coolest thing out there. <laughs> <laughs> And it was shot me before you were wearing his drink. You think, oh, yeah, well done. <laughs> and the better you get to know him, the more of his personality starts working its way into your script. Well, it's just got a combination. He's the man isn't exactly like the Doctor. The, the, a lot of his... Well, his charm, and I mean, the one thing about Matt is he's, he at, at times does seem to be the most ridiculously grown-up 28-year-old at times. He does seem... So he, he talks to you like a dad sometimes, doesn't he? Um, uh, so some of that element comes in, and just his, just that sort of sweetness. There's a, there's a tremendous charm and likability. And again, he's, I can't say that's a very, very nice man. He's too happy bastards. Another question, yes, on the front row here. Hi, yeah. it's Natalie from Radio 1. Hello. Um, you, the way the story is going, and you may lie, Stephen Moffat, about this anyway, because I realise you're very fond of writing for Matt Smith, but could there be a shock regeneration in time for Christmas? There could, or there might not be. It's <laughs> I would trust nothing, including what I'm saying right now. I think I can confirm that doubt and uncertainty is absolutely everywhere. Where is Matt today, eh? Rowing, yeah. <laughs> not even convincing, that's what I'd say. Matt Smith rowing, two oars. I think an ambulance is standby. Wait, see, what can I tell you? Do you want to know what's going to happen to Doctor Who? Watch Doctor Who. <laughs> okay, yes, one on the side there, yeah? And um, get somebody over this side, yes, on the second row. Yeah. Next. Hi, uh, I, I really enjoyed the episode, thanks very much. Um, uh, I'm Claire Woodbridge from Impossible Podcasts. I was just wondering, uh, you touched on the whole uh, myth of the Doctor, and that's something you've uh, been exploring uh, in uh, recent episodes, and just that tension between him being someone who's just out for some adventures in love, and then discovering uh, that he's this uh, dark myth across the universe. Uh, how far can you push that? How far can you uh, go with, with that? And is there a point where you have to pull back from that? Well, again, I'm afraid the answer is sort of wait and see. <laughs> but uh, in terms of uh, how it works within the show, it's a, it's a sort of inevitable consequence of the show running for a while. Uh, when, when Doctor Who begins with William Hartnell, he's not, he's not this great big mighty hero. But it does get uh, to be impossible to write his 15th defeat of the Daleks without feeling as though the Daleks should be getting a little bit twitchy when he walks down. <laughs> so, and I think given that that the audience are in on the secret, that he's just a lunatic who, who's capering around trying to have lunch somewhere nice, and, and all these people think that he's this massive, mighty foe. I think that's, that's a fun thing to play with, because we know he isn't. We know he hasn't even got a plan. He can't even drive the box. You know? We know that's uh, not true, so I think, I think it's a fun thing to play with. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a dangerous card for the Doctor to play, because it makes uh, the more he makes his uh, enemies fear him, 
the more powerful they will become in response to what is, in fact, an unarmed man who can't drive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Where were you? Yes. Uh, hi, this is Richard Kirby from uh, Planet of the Mingmons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that an actual thing, or are you just describing it? <laughs> um, we really loved um, the episode we've just seen, but one of the biggest shocks about the previous episode to this was the title card for the episode that we've just seen. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wondered if there's any resistance at all from the BBC, for instance, about a title with Let's Kill and Hitler. <laughs> With an abbreviation in it, you mean? Uh, <laughs> yes. The, uh, the apostrophe. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm... Ben, was that? I can't remember. No, 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 I don't, I don't think so, no. Uh, I think if he said, let's be nice to Hitler, or... <laughs> he wasn't so bad, that Hitler, that would have gone. <laughs> I, think, I think, let's kill Hitler is fine. He's it, it, a noble ambition, it a little on the main side. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, yes. Um, that's real amazing episode. Oh my god! Um, you mentioned that when you did um, a good man goes to war and you read through, um, you had a dummy ending. I was just wondering what that was. <laughs> did it make any sense? Did it? <laughs> <laughs> Has everyone finished the read through? Uh, it was a whole lot of nonsense. I, I remember, uh, and it didn't. Uh, it wasn't that brilliant, but it didn't really have to be. Uh, it was just, um, it was all about what the name was on the side of the cart. It was about, I, and I pretend it's going to, we're going to reveal the doctor's real name, which is William. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was it. No, it was, it was written about four in the morning or something, so it wasn't, it, 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 it was a bit of a downer at the end of that week. So. <laughs> Hi. We're wondering if you're going to keep killing Rory and if we're going to keep killing Rory. <laughs> No, we didn't hear the last half of that. And I'm going to get an explanation of why Rory keeps dying. Is there a reason why Rory keeps dying? Keep well, keep if dying. something is popular... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've only properly killed him once. I love saying that. We've only properly killed him once. Um, uh, it will pay off, but is there a particular reason behind it? Well, the truth is, he died in two consecutive stories. My fault. Uh, so that maybe did seem a little... Uh, excessive, and that maybe sort of, sort of uh, drew attention to the fact that, of course, Doctor Who companions are always ending up in near-death situations. We've killed Callum a few times and the Doctor a few times. Uh, so, uh, th- 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 there isn't any special plan, but having noticed it, uh, uh, it we do sort of pay it off. Yeah. They're twisting your ankle every week, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yes, there was the one. Yes, did you get that brilliant? Yes. Uh, yeah, Stephen, I want to ask, um, it was mentioned earlier that you'd, uh, you'd, you'd joked about splitting the series in two so you could have two uh, openers and two finales. And uh, I was wondering if, um, how do you feel to, because the episode we've just seen and a lot of the finales and the openers, they, um, they're full of moments. How do you feel, how do you find it easy to sustain that across the rest of the series when it goes back to the more kind of Monster of the Week stuff? Is it more monster of well, I, 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 I don't know what to do. I mean, uh, it's all just rubbish now, is it? <laughs> Brilliant. Next week and the next and the next. Well, we're all looking forward to it, but an episode that isn't an act, actually a, you know, a series finale. You're all looking forward to an episode that isn't a series finale. <laughs> well, I've got good news, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's hardly any. Um, uh, I, no, I, I think that's an odd question. Um, I, I don't know what you mean. What, in what... Well, just, I mean, there's so many kind of big moments in the, in the openers, the Doctor saying Doctor Who, there's the regenerations, there's Rory punching Hitler, all that kind of stuff. I mean, do you find that hard to sustain that across 
whole series? I when think, does that um, it's so epic? I think if at the beginning and end of stories you uh, you do tell stories that was in a slightly different register, uh, but you don't want to tell stories in that register. I mean, you don't always want to be right, uh, reading the first chapter or the last chapter of the book. You want different things, but you also want to make every single story an absolute event. Uh, and I think we do. I think there is uh, there are more beginnings and more endings this series than uh, than you're perhaps ready for. So uh, don't assume that well, you know that you, you can doze off for the next four weeks before the finale. There's there's loads to come. And you know you did say uh, back to the routine about a different monster every week. Hope he dreams of that a different monster. Wrong with a different monster. And uh, one other thing, what's with the, the new coat? Um, well, the doctor went to the TARDIS and realised he was starting to whiff a bit <laughs> and popped it in the dry thing. Uh, um, uh, Matt, I can't remember now. Matt fancied a different coat. <laughs> it's not a great story, is it? <laughs> not resonating that one. I get nowhere near a punchline, however hard I try. Um, I turned up one day and he was wearing it. I think that's my whole contribution. Okay, yes, go ahead. Uh, just a couple of questions for the, the whole panel. Uh, the stories you're telling are really big and really dramatic, with, with huge moments. But for, for dedicated Hugh, Ho, Who fans, like my wife, some of the, the most... <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it is true. I prefer you. <laughs> uh, some of the, the moments that we get really excited about are the, the moments that reference old Who. Uh -huh. um, like a, a, just a little small reference here and another reference there. Are there any plans to have something like that uh, in, the, in the subsequent episode? I noticed it went from just being your wife to both of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like there, are, there are references, yes, I mean, because I like doing those things too. They're never... Uh, you have to solve I know absolutely everything because of my repressed upbringing uh, about Doctor Who. I, I, I do slip references in all the time. So yes, you, you'll be happily picking up stray lines of dialogue here and there. What can we do? It's what we do instead of fun, isn't it? <laughs> and just one other thing. Um, as I was saying, the, the, the stories are so cinematic and that they look amazing on, on this huge screen. Can we do this every week? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've got who wants to ask the last question? Oh, there's a man waving his hand very eagerly there. Let's get the microphone to him. Hi there to everybody. I'm here with my wife, my son, who's a huge fan of Doctor Who, actually. Can I just ask Karen and the team, um, the USA is a huge place. Did you have a favourite moment while you were all out there which you really enjoyed? And did you ever get lost on location there? Lost? I don't think I got lost, but um, my favourite moment was running through the desert being chased by a helicopter. You know, like, I can say that I've done that. That's so cool. And it was the scariest thing, though. Just imagine a helicopter coming behind you. And I was thinking, if he, like, sort of overestimates it or underestimates it or whatever, um, he's going to kill me. So I'm um, my life. Um, but that, that's, I like that anecdote. So, um, so yeah, that's my favourite <laughs> Okay. Well, I think that means that we have to bring things to a close, I'm afraid. We do now
You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.